I believe in this very special day that we honor our mothers and the special women in our life, I wanted to take a, an example from the New Testament, but really as, as I was looking over this passage and studying it and working through it, I felt like there was a word for all of us here today, not just our mothers, but every single one of us that is here. I believe God wants to speak to us through his word. The Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, and we'll be reading verses 26 and 27, and then concluding with the same, in the same chapter at verse 38. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 reads like this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Now go down with me in the same chapter to verse 38, Luke chapter 1. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. I want to highlight an amazing quality that we find here in this story and apply it to our lives today with the help of the Lord. And I've entitled this message very simply, Mary living a surrendered life. Mary living a surrendered life. Luke chapter 1 is an amazing revelation of the visitation of an angel. The angel Gabriel, as we understand it, visits both Zacharias and Mary in this chapter. And really what it shows us and what it speaks to us is that God has a plan that ultimately includes ordinary people. I'll say that again. The Luke, gospel of Luke chapter 1 is simply the message here is that God has a plan that includes ordinary people. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that you and I, very ordinary as we are, are included in God's divine plan? It shows us what I believe, how we can actually be used by God to do great things if we're simply willing to cooperate with his plan. God had sent the angel to Mary, and he had just come from delivering a message to a man by the name of Zacharias. And there is a reason, we'll look at that here in a moment, why God sent the angel to Zacharias first before visiting Mary. And I believe it was simply because God wanted to encourage Mary with the first miracle of Elizabeth and Zacharias being able to have a child in their old age. God set everything up strategically before he even came to Mary. And I believe that this is laid out for us because God was wanting to prepare Mary. And I believe God wants and currently is preparing you and I today as well. God wanted to use Mary, and I've come to tell somebody that God wants to use you and me as well. And God was also trying to encourage Mary, and I've come to tell somebody here today that God wants to encourage you as well today. And so God visits Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, and it teaches us something. Because this couple was a very godly couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth. But they were also a broken couple. 
You mean to tell me, preacher, that you can be godly and broken? Yeah, the, the very most godly people are broken people. It's possible to be godly. It's possibly, possible to be in the center of God's will and yet be broken. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. It's possibly to be exactly where God wants you to be, doing exactly what God has called you to do and still be broken. Because broken people are the people that God uses in a powerful and mighty way. Why? Because when he accomplished his great things through them, they say, it wasn't me. It wasn't my ability. It wasn't what I know. All glory and all honor and all praise belongs to one. His name is Jesus. Oh, I, I wish I had time just to preach that just for a minute. That if you're broken today, you're a candidate to be mightily used by God. If there's a broken area of your life... God can do great and mighty things through you. How do you know? Because I've been broken and God can use broken things. Oh, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. And that's not even my message today. Luke chapter 1 lists several interesting things about this couple. Yes, they were godly. Yes, they were broken. But the Bible also lets us know that they were spiritual people. Scriptures say in Luke 1 and 6 that they were righteous before God. In other words, they sought the Lord and lived to please him. That's really what we mean. We use terms like spiritual and we think, oh, that's not me because I'm not spiritual. That's like for a select few people that have been in church all their life. They know all the Bible. They know all the right things. So they're the spiritual ones and then there's everybody else. No, 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 no. To be spiritual simply means that you're seeking God. And that you're trying to live, I say trying because we're all in that boat right now. We're all trying to live to please him. Some days we get it and some days we don't, but we're trying. Look at somebody recruiting, tell them, I'm trying. But don't judge me, I'm trying. I'm, just, I'm trying to please God. There's some days it's a little bit harder than others, isn't that true? Uh, but I'm trying. And so, so, so don't be afraid to look at yourself as a spiritual person because you're trying. Trying to seek the Lord and living to please him. The Bible says they were obedient. They walked in submission to God's will. They were, they were trying to fulfill the, the commandments and live according to his word. The Bible goes on to say that they were blameless. And it means that not that they were perfect. But they lived in such a way that no one could charge them with open sin. So they took care of their reputation. But as we mentioned not only were they spiritual, but this couple was also brokenhearted. Why were they brokenhearted? Because they were childless. They couldn't have children. And unfortunately, in that day, among the Jewish people, it, it, people felt like they were cursed that they couldn't have children. Although we know that was not true, but that's how people felt. A Jew, a good Jew of that day whose wife could not bear children, was looked at by the society as somehow to be caught up, caught off, cut off, excuse me, from God himself. Not only were they childless, but the Bible says that they were an elderly couple. And so it seemed like all hope of having children was behind them. So not only were they a brokenhearted couple, a spiritual couple, but the Bible goes on to say with all of that, that seemed to be stacked against them, they were a faithful couple. Because in verse number eight, it says that we, we see Zacharias actually doing ministry. 
He's being faithful to God in the ministry that God had given him. Their life was not perfect. They were lacking some things. They were doing their very best to be spiritual and righteous and blameless before God, but, but they were still missing something. They had an unanswered prayer. They had unresolved things going on in their life, but yet they were still faithful. We think that because of what we're going through that we get a pass. Oh, I'm going to talk to you because this is in my notes. We feel like I deserve a pass because of what I'm going through. So I'm not going to be faithful to the Lord. And everyone should understand because you all know what I'm going through. No, nobody here. We're just talking about folks that, that, that act like this. So it's not you. Don't worry about it. But Zacharias could have said, you know, guys, you know why I'm not going to the temple right now. Because my wife and I are struggling. Oh, Zechariah, we know you get a pass. Here you go. One for you and one for your wife. You know, don't worry. I'm the kind of preacher that says what everybody else is thinking. And I'll say it. We think that we deserve a pass. Oh, brother, we understand. You get a pass. We'll see you at Christmas. We'll see you at Mother's Day 2024 because we all know that you're struggling. Here's a pass, Brother Itza. Oh, no, no. I wish. And, we, and, and you, know, you have to say it, but we act that way. And, and let me bring to you, you do act that way. Everybody knows, and so, you know, I, that's why, you know. But not Zachariah. Zachariah says, we're struggling. We're broken. Our hearts are heavy. We walk around feeling like we don't have what everybody else does. We feel empty. We feel unfulfilled. But yet we're still going to go to God's house. I don't need your pity, nor do I need a pass, pastor. I'm going to be faithful even while I'm struggling. I'm going to be faithful even while I'm broken. I'm going to be faithful even while I'm waiting for God to answer the same prayer request that I've put before him for the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years. I'm going to be faithful. Look at somebody, tell them, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be faithful. I, I, I don't need a pass. Yeah, I'm struggling, and some days I do doubt, and some days I feel like giving up, but I don't need a pass because God is about to answer my prayer. God's about to do what he said he would do in my life while I'm being faithful. So we don't hand out passes here at PFAC. Because I've seen in this church, in many of you, how you've been attacked by the devil, yet you're still faithful. We have members in this church who the devil is trying to destroy their marriage and destroy their life, but yet they're still being faithful. They're still serving the Lord. We've got moms in here that have the same prayer request that for the last 10 years and waiting for God to answer. They're still being faithful. They're still serving the Lord. God's looking for faithful people. So Zacharias is not pouting. He's not serving and grumbling. He's not mad at God because of unanswered prayer. He's not holding out or on spiritual strike until God does what he wants him to do. That's how some of us are. We go on spiritual strike. Well, Lord, I'm going to take all my toys and go home. 
let me make, let me break it down to where you and I are. I'm not going to utilize my gifts at PFAC. I'm just going to take my gifts and my talents and keep them to myself because I'm mad at God. And so I'm just going to hold on to my, you can sing but aren't singing. Because you're on spiritual strike. You have gifts to offer the kingdom, but you're not using them because you're on spiritual strike. Why? Because God hasn't done what he told me he was going to do. But I love Zacharias and Elizabeth's example. They say, we're not going on spiritual strike. We've got about 35, 40 years waiting for God to answer. And we're still going to serve. We're still going to be faithful. We're still going to go to God's house. We're still going to love people. We're still going to reach out to our loved ones that don't know Jesus. I'm not going on spiritual strike. I'll leave that alone because someone's getting mad. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to preach to you. And so Zacharias is serving God. He was a priest and he served in the temple. He was burning incense on the altar. He was faithful in his worship and his service. And because of their faithfulness, the Bible says, not only were they spiritual, not only were they broken, not only were they faithful, but they were rewarded. What's the reward? Their prayer was answered by God. Zacharias was praying on a very ordinary day, verse 10 tells us. Verse 11 goes on to say of Luke 1 that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him at the altar. And Zacharias, I can imagine, is pouring out his heart to God, bringing that incense into the presence of the Lord. His same prayer that he's been praying for years and years. He didn't resent God's wisdom. He refused to become bitter regardless of the weight. And while he was praying, God met the need and sent the answer. The question we must ask ourselves today is, as we are waiting for our miracle, does God find us like Zacharias and Elizabeth? Am I a spiritual man or woman? Am I walking righteously, obedient, and blameless? Is Jesus really the Lord of every area of my life? Am I brokenhearted today? Have I been saddened because of some unfulfilled expectation? Have, do I have things that have not worked out as I planned? Or is, is God's timing different than mine? Am I faithful in my service? Even though I've been disappointed, I'm still going to serve. I'm not holding out. I'm not on strike. I'm not bitter or mad at God. Those are the qualities that Zacharias and Elizabeth had. Am I praying? Am I ready for the Lord to send the answer at the altar of prayer? Am I willing to pray and pray and pray again, knowing that God is working even when I can't see him? And so now we arrive at verse 26. And the angel begins to describe to Mary what God is doing in her and that she will give birth to Jesus, the son of the highest. And in verse 34, Mary responds to the angel by saying, how can this be, Luke 1 and 34, since I do not know a man? The Lord tells her, you're going to give birth. She says, I, I, it's not going to happen because I, I, I don't know anybody. I, I'm not married. I, I'm only engaged. How can this be since I, I don't know a man? The Lord responds to Mary's puzzled question by telling her in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will 
overshadow you. I love this statement because Mary presents all these things and all these reasons why it can't happen. God says, I'm going to do this in you through the angel. I'm going to accomplish my purpose through you. And Mary starts giving Jesus, uh, excuse me, starts giving the Lord to the, to the angel all these reasons why it can't happen and why it can't be done. And the Lord responds to her by saying, the Holy Spirit. But, but, but God, you don't understand. I, I, I don't meet the requirements. And God says, the Holy Spirit. It can't happen for me. It can't happen in my home. It can't happen for my family. And God's response is, the Holy Spirit. I, I don't have the capabilities. I don't, I don't have the qualities. I'm not connected to all the right people. I'm deficient in so many areas. And God responds by saying, the Holy Spirit. How is God going to do it? How is God going to accomplish it? How is his purpose going to be fulfilled? Through the Holy Ghost. God's answer to somebody here today is the Holy Ghost. How are we going to get out of this through the Holy Ghost? How am I going to overcome this through the Holy Ghost? How is God going to bless my family through the Holy Ghost? Somebody shout the Holy Ghost. Mary says it can't happen. God says the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That was God's spiritual declaration. This is how I'm going to do it, through the Holy Spirit. And now verses 36 to 37, he gives her now tangible evidence. God tells her how he's going to accomplish it. And then he gives her a testimony. He says in verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. So all of that ha that happened in Zacharias and Elizabeth is powerful with amazing principles for you and I to apply to our life. But really, God did it to encourage Mary. God fulfilled a promise to a couple that had been praying because he was trying to let Mary know what's impossible for man is possible for God. I've come to tell somebody that has a need. I've come to tell somebody that's in need of a miracle. I've come to tell somebody that feels stuck. There's a God in this place that will do the impossible in your life if you believe. You might be saying, well, preacher, that's great for Mary. But what about me? How can God work out his plan in my life? Just like Mary. Let me give you three quick things. Three trademarks of what I want to call three trademarks of a surrendered life. Number one, if you're going to see God fulfill his power and his purpose in your life, you need a surrendered will. Someone say a surrendered will. What was Mary's ultimate response to the angel's declaration? Look at verse 38 once again with me. Then Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I love this because he tells her the Holy Spirit. And then he tells her, remember your cousin, the one that couldn't have kids? She's having a baby. And when Mary sees how God does it and she sees how God already did it for somebody else, she says, let it be to me. 
In other words, Lord, I surrender. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I surrender. I don't know how it's going to work out in my situation like you've done it for somebody else, but I surrender. Let it be to me according to your word. Somebody in this room today has to believe God and say, Lord, I surrender to your will. I surrender to your plan. I surrender to your purpose. I find myself stuck. I find myself overwhelmed, but Lord, let it be for me according to your word even though she was young and would ultimately have to be in secret even through that engagement period which according to the custom was at least a year and that proof of adultery in her day resulted in stoning even though people would criticize her for being pregnant while she was still engaged she surrendered her will to God's will. Ultimately, she gave up her rights. What does that mean? Mary was willing to die to herself and do what's right instead of doing what was convenient. And we struggle with these kinds of things in the day that we're living in because you fully can't surrender until you've given up to God all your rights. You know what rights I'm talking about? The right that you feel to be offended? Well, I'm in the right, Pastor. No, 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 you're not surrendered. Because when you surrender to Jesus, you surrender all your rights. That means that Jesus is always right. That his will is always right. That his word is always right. If it comes against my feelings, if it comes against what I think, if it comes against what I think I know, Lord, I've surrendered all my rights and I'm surrendered completely to your will. Even if it's not convenient. So I've got to ask myself a few questions here today. Am I willing to absolutely surrender myself to God? Am I willing to obey God even without answers to all of my questions? Is there any part of my life that I have yet to surrender to God? This is what I'm talking about, being fully surrendered. But what about this? I'm fully surrendered. You're going to keep serving God even though you don't see anything happen. I'm fully surrendered. You're going to keep praying when that son and that daughter seems to be getting worse and worse. I'm fully surrendered. You're going to keep believing God after all that you've gone through and all that has happened in your life. Yes, because I'm fully surrendered. I surrendered all my rights over to Jesus and he dictates how I live. His word dictates how I walk. What, what about my life? What about my plans and my goals? When you're surrendered, they become his plans. They become goals that are lined up with his will. Because verse 38, she says, behold, the made servant of the Lord. No, 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 I don't have a whole lot of time to go through that. But, but, but here in Western culture, we have a hard time understanding the concept of servanthood. And we've struggled over 2,000 years of existence in the church, and we're still having to teach what servanthood is because we struggle. And so Mary says, I've surrendered my rights. So behold, the maid servant of the Lord. 
She could have said, okay, Lord, let your will be done. Amen. That would have been sufficient, and that would have been a, an example of service. But she takes it a step further. She says, behold the maid servant of the Lord. Not only am I surrendered to you, Jesus, but I'll do whatever it is that you're asking me to do. That's different. Because we can surrender aspects of our life, but the next level of surrender is living a surrendered life, which is then saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever it is, Jesus, I'm fully surrendered to you. I remember being a young man and praying that prayer and meaning it with all of my heart. And saying, yes, Lord, I, I've got plans. And there's things that I'd like to do. And, and there's some things I'd like to accomplish, Lord. But you know what? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. And by God's grace and God's mercy, he is still accomplishing those things and answering that prayer in my life to this very day. But can I tell you, there's nothing greater. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more fulfilling than placing your life in the hands of the Lord and saying, Lord, behold, the servant of the Lord. Because the word made servant here in the original language in the Greek is a word doule. And it means literally, when she said matron, it means slave girl. Mary was saying that she was a bond slave or a servant of God. Now, let me just help you because I say servant and, and a lot of things go through our minds. But let me just help you real quick. What is a servant? What is a servant? Let me just give you three quick, quick definitions that will help you. Number one, a servant is one who advances others at the expense of themselves without complaint. This is hard in our culture today because we're trying to advance ourselves. We're trying to be baptized social media influencers. And we're careful because we're Holy Ghost filled. So we're Holy Ghost filled social media influencers. We're trying to advance our own causes. We're trying to advance our own, but that's not a servant. A servant says, I want others to advance. A servant of the most high God says, I want God's kingdom to advance. I want his purposes to advance at the expense of myself, and I won't complain. Oh, God, I could just talk about complaining today. Because the Bible does say do everything without complaining. And you know my definition of everything. When God says everything, it means everything. But I'll leave that alone because I don't got time. A servant is one who advances others at the expense of without complaint. Number two, I'll give you another one. What is a servant? A servant doesn't need to be thanked for their service. Oh, gosh. Man, I, I, I wish I had about another hour. But I know you got lunch, you got reservations, and the grill's about to be turned on. Let me just say this. We are really not true servants of the most high God if we have to be thanked for everything. The attitude is, uh, of today's world is, I want to go somewhere where I'm valued. What is your value? Jesus determined it over 2,000 years ago. He said, I'll go to the cross 
I'll wear a crown of thorns. I'll let my hands be pierced and my side pierced and nails go through my feet and whipped with a whip 39 times on my back. I'll do it for you. That's your value. You and I are valued. We don't do it for applause. We don't do it for thank yous. We don't do it for slaps on the back. We do it because one day Jesus is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful. Shout it with me. Well done, thou good and faithful. Servant. Oh, I know appreciation goes a long way. I understand that, but we don't do it for that reason. We do it because Jesus has been good, because Jesus loves us. That's the kind of servant I want to be. We don't do it for the thank yous. We don't do it for the certificates. We don't do it for the applauses. We don't do it for the posts. We don't do it for to be lauded and lifted up. We do it because Jesus has chosen us of all the people in the world to help fulfill his kingdom purposes. Let me finish this. Doesn't need to be thanked for this. Number three, what is a servant? And they could care less about who gets the credit. This is what a servant is. This is what we signed up for. That's what I signed up for. And maybe when I first made myself available to God, I didn't know all of this was required. But as time has gone on, I realized this is what God is asking me to do. And I do it gladly and I do it willingly because I know what Jesus has done for me. And I'm the first one to recognize that I don't deserve to be standing up here before you, but Jesus has been good. Let me hurry. A surrendered will. Number two, an obedient heart. What happened after Mary said, yes, Lord? She took the next step in the process. Verse 39, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Mary obeyed God with several things against her. She was an unwed mother who would believe her story. She would have to face Joseph and chance his rejection and shock of a broken trust. She faced even the threat of being condemned to death for adultery. Yet in the face of adversity, she was willing to obey God and add works to her faith. She was willing to please God above all others. She was willing to trust God to work out all of the details outside of her control. She obeyed. I have to be willing to obey God and then trust him with the consequences that are to follow. Because that's what true obedience is. True obedience says, you know what, I'm going to obey God even if I lose my job. But pastor, you know, i got to provide for my family and I've got financial goals. And, and if I don't give in this area, I'm going to lose my job. If it compromises your convictions and your spiritual walk with God, then you should walk away from it. Because again, we're servants. We are not the providers. He is. When you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong to him. He's your Lord. He's your master. He takes care of you. The Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist said. I do not lack. He's in charge of my life. He makes sure I have everything that I need. 
I'm not going to compromise my convictions. I'm not going to compromise what God's word says to be true. And if it obedience costs me, then let it cost me. Mary, by obeying, could possibly begin to accelerate certain negative consequences in her life. And so you and I must be willing to give up our present plans for a future reward. Am I willing to obey God and do what he's been telling me to do? And this is where some of us are here today. God has been asking us to do something and we are not willing to obey him. He's been asking for more of you and we still hold back. He's been asking for you to dive into his service and dive into the work of his kingdom and, and we've held back. He's been asking you to give your life over completely to him and quit dancing around the baptismal waters and, and take the spiritual plunge, so to speak, and be baptized in Jesus' name. Will you obey him? Will I obey him? Will we obey what he's asking us to do? I love verse 39 because it shows us the attitude of Mary. Not only do we see her faith, not only do we see her surrender and her obedience, but we see the way that she obeyed. Look at verse 39 with me again. You can give it to me. Now Mary arose in those days, watch this, and went into the hill country dragging her feet. Do I have to? Oh, so hard to be a Christian. Got it so hard. Obeying everything, God, every day. I mean, I can give you a Sunday, Lord, but every day, oh, this persecution is so rough. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody else, okay? Just relax. But when God asked her and when God told her, this is what I want you to do. I want to use you to carry something that no one else has carried. I want to do something in you that's going to bless generations. I want to do something that's not only going to save you, but it's going to save everybody else. And not only did she say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. But when the angel had left, she got up and she ran with haste. Mary was eager to follow the angel's direction. She didn't drag her feet. She didn't say, well, do I have to? Let me pray about it, Lord. Let me lay a fleece before you. Let me see if it's really your will. She knew what the will of God was. She knew exactly what God was asking her to do. She didn't drag her feet. She ran with haste. She ran with eagerness she ran fully obedient saying Lord I want your purpose to be fulfilled in my life I'm talking to somebody that needs to do what they got to do it with haste we've been dragging our feet since 2020 and God is saying come on whatever you're going to do do it with haste because we don't have much time left. There's more souls that need to be saved. There are more of your family members that need to come to the feet of Jesus. There are more things that God wants to do before he returns. And he's returning very, very soon. We don't have time to play games. We don't have time to hold on to our gifts and stay on spiritual strike. And wait till things improve in our life before we move. Whatever we're going to do, PFAC, let's do it with haste. We don't have time to wait. We don't have time to think about it. We don't have time to see if we can accommodate it in our schedule. Adjust your schedule to fulfill the will of God. 
pastor, I wanted you to preach more of a Mother's Day message. <laughs> I wanted to, too. Believe me. But the Lord told me, you're preaching this one. I said, okay, Lord. Be it unto me according to your will. Because this is what we need in 2023. We need, we need some haste. We need some moms and dads and young men and young ladies that get some haste in their spiritual walk and say, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go now. I, I, we don't have to wait till tomorrow. Let's go now. Let's do it now. Let's jump into it now. Let's let 2023 be the year where we do what God has called us to do. We need to be hasty in what we're doing. She was eager to see the miracles for herself. And Mary wanted to meet Elizabeth face to face to face. So with haste here means that Mary didn't wait, or better yet, didn't want to put off till tomorrow what God had told her to do today. With haste for you and me today means the following. My progress in God tomorrow will go no further than my obedience takes me today. If you can give it to me on the screen, please. I'll say it again. My progress in God tomorrow will go no further than my obedience takes me today. Some of us are not progressing because we're not obedient. Tomorrow, brother, yeah, yeah, but what about today? You want to be blessed tomorrow? Obey today. You want your future to be blessed? You want your family to be blessed? You want your children to have God's favor on their life as they walk through the next seasons that God has for them? Then be obedient today. We sit here 2,000 years later celebrating a salvation, eternal life, having our sins washed away, access to the supernatural and God's miraculous power because of a young lady that obeyed and heard today. Somebody, I feel, I feel a heavy weight on somebody here today that needs to make a decision today. You need to make up in your mind today. I'm going to obey what God is asking me to do today and my tomorrow will be blessed. The door will open for me tomorrow. Things will happen for me tomorrow. God will work his purpose in my life tomorrow if I will obey him today the decision today do what God is asking you to do today as I close as the musicians would come not only do we see a surrendered will and an obedient heart but I close with the, the last thing number three we see a grateful spirit I love this because she surrendered to God's will for her life she obeyed in spite of the perceived consequences that were coming but then she ends this with a display of gratitude. In verses 46 through 55, we won't read all of them, but just for your understanding. In verses 46 through 45, it's known as Mary's song. In verse 46, she magnifies the Lord. The word magnify here literally means to declare the greatness of. The idea here is habitual. Or in other words, Mary continued to magnify the Lord. It was a continual practice. 
after she realized what she was being asked to be a part of, after she came to grips with the fact that she was going to be participating in God's salvation plan for all of humanity, she was grateful. Again, she wasn't doing it begrudgingly. She wasn't doing it because she had to. She felt grateful to be asked to participate in God's redemption plan. Can I tell you, gratitude changes your outlook. And I'm praying today that God would baptize some of us in this room with a spirit of gratitude. That heaven has asked us to participate in God's redemption plan. I'm grateful. God could have asked somebody else. God could have chosen somebody else. God could have filled somebody else with the Holy Ghost. But he's including me in his plan. I'm grateful. Mary rejoices in God, her Savior. She praises God with all of her heart. She believed that God was in control, and Mary trusted God with what she couldn't see. She was grateful for his salvation. She was grateful for God's compassion. Give me verse 48, and I close with this. She's praising God. She's thanking God for the opportunity to be included in his plan. And look at what... He says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. She had an understanding of what God was asking her to do. She had an understanding that generations after her would call her blessed because she was being a blessing to generations. And so she was grateful. You know what will cause you to want to obey him? You know what will cause you to fully surrender? When you understand he includes me. Mary says that the God of heaven would look down and regard the lowly state of his maid servant. If God looking down and knowing the family that I come from, knowing my past and how little I have to offer him would look down to me and choose me. I'm blessed. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to thank him because he's included me in his plan. That's why I get so excited. That's why I get so emotional. That's why I can't hold it back. Because God looked at this lowly servant and said, I know he lacks a lot. I know there's deficiencies in his life. I know there's areas I could improve. But I'm going to choose him to participate in my plan. 